If you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're having a great start to 2021. And if you're listening to this, that means that you're interested in podcasts and may even have a podcast yourself. I want to tell you about Podio. Podio is the easiest way for you to monetize your show, providing podcasters with a flat rate so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podio. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podio.co at podgo.co. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is the podcast industry. As always, I'm your host, David, and this is our first show of 2021. Thank you so much for joining us, and I can't wait to get into this episode. We have a very exciting guest today. We have Dave Jackson on the show. Dave is the founder of the School of Podcasting. He has several shows himself and is a 2018 inductee into the Academy of Podcast Hall of Fame. And it was great to talk to him about everything podcasting, how to grow your audience, talking about monetization, and really the tips and tricks of podcasting. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dave. Thanks so much for taking the time today. You know, as an experienced podcaster like yourself, it's always great to get the uh, the tips and knowledge that all the <laughs> podcasters are looking for. So I have the privilege of p- picking your brain today. So oh, yeah. Taking the time. Looking forward to uh, the discussion. Yeah. So a lot of people that listen to, to this podcast and that are members of Podgo are kind of either just starting out or have smaller audiences. And I think that too many times people get caught up in you know, their audience size, but what's your biggest tip when someone comes to you and says, Dave, I'm starting a podcast. What's your number one tip that you give to, uh, to intro podcasters? It's, it's hard. There's two questions you have to answer and it's hard to pick which one, but I think the first one is why, why are you starting a podcast? And if you say, I just lost my job, I need to make money quickly. I will look at you and say, now is not the time to start a pod. Now is the time to go get a job uh, because to, to make money with a podcast, you have to, uh, you have to have an audience, you know, yes, you can get advertisers, but those advertisers want to get in front of your audience. And so step one is always get an audience. Now, the great thing is your service allows people with a smaller audience to get advertisers, but yeah. sometimes, and, and I think the key point there is because you can make money with a small audience it's the fact that I want to replace my full-time income. That's when I'm like, mm, don't think you're going to do that in six weeks. Uh, the other one is who. And that's where a lot of times I'll ask that first, like who is your audience? And if they go, oh, it's for everyone. Everyone's going to love this. And I'm like, mm, don't think so. Because think about it. Let's say you did a show for uh, women that were not married. Okay. And let's go, oh, I'm going to niche down women that are 40 or older that are not married. Okay, well, you're gonna find two people in that group. One is they're divorced and they might be angry and they're dealing with child support and blah, blah, and all this. And other people might be widowed. And that's a two completely different you know, uh, scenarios. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you start talking about how you're upset with your ex-husband and he's a jerk. And the women on the other side go, at least you have an ex-husband. Mine's dead. So you really have to know who your audience is. And what's weird about that is some people get worried because the more niche you go. So you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to go with 
women that are dating over 40 that are divorced. Great. Okay. Well, now we just cut out all the widows and they're like, Hey, my audience is getting smaller. Yeah. But you're, you're building that audience that goes, Oh my gosh, they're talking to me. And now you've got a much more engaged audience. It's a smaller audience, but it's more engaged. And that's really, for me, those, those two things are kind of the, to where to start, who am I talking to? And then, uh, and why am I doing this? Because I think a lot of people just jump in with maybe unrealistic expectations where they really think they're going to quit their job in six weeks. And I'm like, "Mm," you know, and I always say, you know, can you make money as a musician? You can, and an author and an actor and an athlete, but those guys didn't, you know, like I didn't join the NBA six weeks after I picked up my first basketball. It takes a little time sometimes and a lot of luck, but uh, uh, I, I do see people and I wish I was making that up. I have people that, seriously want to start a podcast and quit their day job in six weeks. And I'm like, mm, not gonna uh, you know, just not going to happen. Sorry. You know, yeah, you I know, wish I, you the best of luck. You host several podcasts yourself, but I, in one of them, I think you called it the microwave mentality where people want things instantaneously and it's really a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. But I mean, how do you curb people's expectations to say, listen, you know, it's okay. Cause it really is. It's okay. If you're listening to 300 people, uh, when we interviewed uh, Guy Raz, he said, if you were in a town square and you said oh. 300 people were going to come listen to you talk, you would take that uh, any day of the week. It's that disconnection of, oh, because it's over the Internet, I want thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of listens. But I would take talking to 300 people uh, in a minute. Yeah, when uh, my background's in teaching, I taught in the the corporate world for decades and so when somebody says, I only have 300 downloads, I go, that's 20 classrooms. Like that's a building of people that in an age of AM, FM, Xbox, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, they chose to listen to you. There is no spam in podcasting. If you don't want to listen to my show, you just swipe left and delete. There's nothing I can do from stop you to stop you from leaving. So, yeah, and I had a, a client of mine and her son was pretty high on the autism spectrum and she loved Disney and she did a show called Special Mouse. And it was all about taking people with special needs to Disneyland. Oh, now, she, ne- she never had thousands of downloads. She had hundreds of downloads. But the people that found that were like, I thought it was the only person that was going through this. She had a really active Facebook group and she ended up getting a sponsor. And who was the sponsor? Somebody who specialized in, you guessed it, transporting people with special needs in Florida. So it's not always these giant numbers. And and one last thing on numbers, I, I work for Libsyn. I've been there now for almost six years. And when Rob Walsh from Libsyn says, everybody lies about their stats, uh, everybody lies about their stats. <laughs> so, and a lot of people like to quote monthly stats. Oh, I got 10,000. Like I, if I looked at my stats right now in December, I got 26,000 downloads in December. However, almost 65% of those are for files that are not in December. It's my back catalog, which is a good metric to look at to see like, I want somebody to find my latest show and then download a bunch of my old episodes. But to say I get 26,000 downloads and somebody goes, wait, he does four shows a week. Holy cow. That's, you know, that's almost yeah. 7,000 downloads. Six, and it's like, nope, that's not the way it works. So stats are one of those things that, that people uh, either knowingly or unknowingly kind of fudge a little bit to, uh, to make themselves sound a, a little more popular than maybe they are. Well, I won't tell you Podio stats then. <laughs> but the, the no, fact I, that 
people are listening to your back catalog means that you have evergreen content. That's one of the, my recommendations to podcasters now, because especially, you know, with sports podcasts, it's like, Hey, tomorrow that's obsolete because there's new information. The team played another game. And, you know, when you're talking about this educational aspect of, Hey, I'm teaching you how to podcast, or you're talking about a, a how to subject evergreen content, especially with like movie podcasts, like movies, that movie yeah. didn't change. Like you can still review that movie, and I, I always say try to find something that's evergreen so that people do listen to your back catalog. Yeah, absolutely. And I see it over and over where somebody will contact me and they'll say, "There's got to be something wrong." And I'm like, and they're like, "I don't know. I'm getting all these downloads." And you can go in in most platforms. You can go in and see where they're coming from. And um, I know in Libsyn you can view downloads by day, and there's a little ball you click on, and it'll say, "Okay." you know, whatever, you had 150 downloads today and you click on that, it'll show you, okay. And I can see where I'm getting downloads from files that were, you know, holy cow, you know, seven years ago or something like that. And I was like, that's still getting downloads. But it's like you said, if it's evergreen, it's evergreen. It's still helpful. From seven years ago. Wow. So, you know, you started in 2005. 2005. So yeah, I actually, yeah. yeah, the last time I did that example live with somebody, I looked at a day and sure enough, my first podcast was titled your pod, your first podcast always stinks, uh, meaning your first episode. <laughs> and it's from 2005 and it had one download that day. So I was like, so I don't know how they found it, but they, they found it and they downloaded it. So what do you feel has been one of the biggest change in podcasting or the in- industry or the medium in general since, uh, Oh five. I mean, it's, been a long time. Well, yeah. Well, the big one was when Apple came on board, because when I jumped on board, there was no podcasting in Apple iTunes. Um, so that was that was one where you actually saw the numbers just go up, you know, yeah. wow. And, you know, over the years, we've had Spotify, now Amazon, you know, uh, and, and now there's just more and more tools that are making it easier. I mean, I have a, uh, I recommend a, a piece of hardware called the Zoom PodTrack P4. And, you know, it's about the size of a checkbook and it goes for about 200 bucks. Six years ago, this would have cost you close to a grand. Yeah. And it's designed for podcasters. So the more popular it gets, the more easier it gets. In some cases, it gets a little too easy. And that's where you get people that just, you know, they burp into their phone and next week it's on Apple. And they're like, why am I not making millions of dollars? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Maybe we yeah. need a little bit. <laughs> at Podgo, we, we review every applicant, and we'll go in and we'll listen to an episode, and we look at their socials, uh, and we yeah. look at the engagement they get. Like it's a, it's a pretty extensive vetting process to, to come on the platform because once you're on, you're approved for all the advertisers. So we have to make right. sure that once you're on as a, as a partner, you're going to not say something, your quality is high enough for advertisers. And the yeah. amount of podcasts that apply – um, and I don't want to discourage anyone from not applying, but right. uh, there's a lot that sound like they're recorded underwater. And people ask, yeah. what's the number one thing that you look for in a podcast for Podgo? Sound quality is number one. And I think that so many people don't value that. Yeah, I mean, I'm holding in my hand, this is a Samsung Q2U. It's 69 bucks, And I'm talking into a microphone that's $300. There's not a whole lot of difference between these two. Yeah. But I again and again, I see people that will fire up um, either anchor.fm on their phone because it's free or they'll just fire up their, their notes application on their phone. I'm not making this up. I listen to a podcast. They, they hit record on their phone. They stuck it on the table and it was two of them in a mall as they ate pizza and had a conversation. And I was <laughs> like, that's not like, it's, it's just 
there's so many podcasts. There are thousands of podcasts added every day. And that's not a typo. Thousands of new podcasts are added every day. And if I have a choice of listening to you eat pizza in the mall or somebody who's actually taken a little time to, to do some prep, understand who my audience is and give them something that they can't get anyplace else, I'm going with option number two. Yeah, so you know the listeners obviously can't see it, but behind you, you have your book uh, that you wrote, <laughs> Profit uh, from Your Podcast, which, listen, it definitely applies to, to what we're doing at Podgo. Yeah. Um, what are some myths that you saw kind of debunked of how to connect podcasts to advertisers and you know what I say is every audience has meaning every listen has meaning uh, and that's kind of our philosophy here but what do you think is um, kind of the mystery of, of you know profiting from your podcast I think number one is first just getting people to podcast you have to get over that imposter syndrome of who would listen to me and then what I've seen is some people will will create a product that's actually the most profitable way to make money with your podcast is to know who your audience is, find out what they want and then make it for them. So like Daniel J. Lewis is a friend of mine and uh, he does the audacity to podcast. And he, when he started his podcast, he had, uh, he was a web designer, a really good web designer, but because of the name of his show, the audacity to podcast, meaning the, the courage, everybody thought it was a show about audacity, which is a free software. So he's got a, a lot he's of got people an, use audacity too. Yeah, for podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. And so he had an audience of people looking for free stuff and they were not going to pay him, you know, four figures to design a website. So he, he was like, okay, I got this audience. What do they need? And so he's now invented my podcast reviews, which is a great service because people love to, to get ratings and reviews. So he, he did that. It's an easy way to track them. He created a course about SEO for podcasters. And he basically was like, okay, this is not the audience I wanted, but I do have an audience. What do they need? And he created products for them. So that's really, and, and the reason that works so well is if you deliver value in every episode and you publish on a regular schedule, whatever that schedule is, they already find you to be dependable because you're there, whatever, every week or every other week or whatever it is, you're delivering value. So you seem to know what you do. And if you can somehow share a little bit about yourself in your episodes, the, the whole no like, and trust you think comes in on board. And so when you then say, Hey, I've got a book or I've got a membership or whatever's going on, that audience in theory should buy what you want because you based it on their feedback. Yeah. And the other thing is so many people think, Oh, so I have to have a product instead of advertising, or I have to do affiliate marketing instead of, and I'm like, no, the people that are really making a living at this, and almost all the, the people I interviewed, were doing it all. And now you have the people like Jordan Harbinger, that guy gets hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. He can make a living with yeah. just ads because he's got about six ads in every episode, and he's, I mean, that's insane downloads. But if you ever look into Jordan, that's a guy that does the work. He, he reads every book for everybody's interviewing. That guy does the work. And so, but most of them, if you look at somebody, even like Pat Flynn, Pat Flynn has a, a member, he has, he has uh, services. He has a membership site. He has affiliate income. You know, he has all sorts of different uh, types of income streams. And so I don't think it's usually just one, you know, Hey, why not have ads on your show? And while you're at it, uh, throw up a Patreon or some sort of crowdfunding. And then, you yeah. know, don't forget because it sounds kind of like, duh. But when I was uh, 16, I worked in a grocery store and it's, it's so simple, but so true. And this business owner who was thriving 
it, well, I, let's not say thriving. He was surviving. It was a grocery store, and there was like every three feet in Akron, Ohio, there was a grocery store. There were way too many for the amount of population that was there. And he just looked at me one day and said, well, just don't forget. He goes, pennies make dollars. And so when you have, you know, okay, I made $38 here. I made $15 there. And then I made this and that. And all of a sudden you get done. You're like, Hey, that's a card payment, you know? So yeah, uh, no, definitely get multiple streams of income going. Cause you, you never know. And it also, it's a little bit like the stock, uh, you know, exchange kind of stuff. Because when COVID hit, my crowdfunding went down because people are like, hey, I lost my job. I would love to keep giving you $20 a month, but, you know, I got kids to feed. But on the other hand, I also had in some cases consulting go up because people were like, hey, I've got time now to start a podcast. I'm going to hire you to do this. So, so different things went down and different things went up. So when you have multiple streams of income, you kind of insulate yourself, I guess, from from big changes in uh, whatever's going on in the world. Yeah, diversification is always good. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it kind of goes back to what you were, your first point about your number one tip is really know the, the why of why are you starting. Because if yeah. it's a hobby and you want to just include ads and make a few dollars on the side and, hey, you know, that covers, you know, your electric bill for the month, then that's great. Um, that's fine too. But like you said, so many people are looking to, to quit their job and turn this into full time. And if you want to do that, it's really getting those multiple streams in. Yeah. And the, the other thing I would say about the why is let's say you started a podcast because your family has said, we don't want to talk about Batman anymore. We love, we know you love <laughs> Batman, but please don't ask me about Batman anymore. So you decide to start a podcast with your cousin because he loves Batman too. And so the, the why is I want to talk about Batman with somebody who loves Batman. Well, the minute you launch that podcast, congratulations, you have a successful podcast. And what happens then is they're having fun and they're talking about Batman. And then somebody goes into a Facebook group and goes, Hey, check it out. I just got, you know, 2000 downloads on my first you know, episode, whatever. And of course they're probably quoting monthly stats, but not saying that and things like that. And it can kind of deflate the person. They're like, well, wait, I'm not getting that many. It's yeah. like, wait, wait, let's go back to our why. Why are you doing this? I want to talk about Batman. Okay. Are you talking about Batman? Yeah. All right. Well then, and I always say the, the worst thing you can do to really deflate yourself is to compare yourself to others. Cause it's really just, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if somebody said, uh, Hey Dave, uh, go run a mile and I come back and I go, okay, I ran a mile. I'm about ready to die. It's uh, I did it in, you know, nine <laughs> minutes. I go, is that good? You know, is a nine minute mile good? And they go, um, well, how old are you, Dave? And I'm like, oh, I'm 55. And they're like, oh, well, actually, that's not bad for not, you know, there it could have been worse, could have yeah, been better. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but if, it, if I'm an Olympic athlete, that's horrible. So it's one of those things where when you compare yourself to others, you don't know, you know, I'll, I'll use John Lee Dumas as a uh, uh, an example. John is a great guy, does Entrepreneur on Fire. And when he came out, it just looked like the guy asked the same six questions all the time and he just went gangbusters. Now he did kind of have, he, he kind of almost coined a niche, but John currently has no kids. He had no job. He had six figures. He submitted, he had six figures in the bank. So he had a really long runway and he just spent a huge amount of time promoting it. Okay. Now you, you take somebody else that does the exact same show but they've got uh, a spouse, they've got three kids, they got to take little Missy to soccer practice every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they're working two jobs because the middle one needs braces. That's a whole different playing yeah. field. 
And so when you look at somebody and go, how come they get more downloads than I do? Obviously, like you said, first thing I want to look at is what, what do you sound like? How organized are you in your show? But the other one is in some cases, they've just got more, you know, they might have more contacts, you know, serial when it went nuts, uh, probably what, five or six years ago. The reason, I mean, granted, that's a great show, but also the host of that show were connected big time with mainstream media. So they had a big bullhorn to say, hey, we got a new podcast out. Yeah. So, But I do see people kind of get deflated sometimes when they compare themselves to others. So don't do that. Well, we sent out a member survey for, for Podio just to learn a little bit more about how our members were reacting with the service and kind of know what's going on. And it was interesting to see, we asked the question, uh, why do you want to include ads in your show? Is it to make money or is it to validate your hard work? And it was hmm. basically a 50-50 split. Uh, wow. Where we found that about 50% of the members are just trying to, because another question was hours and time spend. And most people spend, you know, four to five hours a week recording, editing, and researching a topic. You're spending a, you know, a few hundred on your mic and your hosting service. Uh, and your editing software, and you're like, you know what? I'm not trying to make money because I'm only getting a few hundred downloads, so that means I'm not going to make that much money. But if I can just pay for the podcasting equipment, right. and it, it makes me, I don't want to say feel like a real podcaster, but it makes it kind of validates your efforts to say, today's episode is brought to you by Company A. Yeah. Uh, and the cool thing about podcasting is it is democratized right like you, you talked about how you you know you didn't join the nba after picking up a, a basketball but you can't even join the nba uh because there's barriers to entry like i could start a podcast and it will be alongside anything from the new york times npr like any major publication is going to be on the exact same platforms and listen the same way as a brand new podcast so it's so cool that this kind of this audience feature, like you, you don't know who's who you're listening to because it's a headphone in your ear. It could be the New York yeah. Times. It could be your neighbor down the street. That that ads reaching the same person. Exactly, and the beauty of that is you are up against you know big teams. I remember uh, I was up for a podcast award and I was up against Reply All, and I went over and listened to their show. And at the end, they're like literally like a team of eighteen people on that show. <laughs> I am an army of one. So right there, I went. You know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back. I, I myself alone am in the same category as somebody with a team of 18. And then the other one is, um, you know, when you think about that validating yourself and, and is it worth it for me, you can do things when you are quote little that the big shows can't. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure um, I forget her name, Sarah, something from um, the show I just mentioned that I'm drawing, I'm having a brain fight. Uh, not reply all the other was cereal. Um, cereal yeah. <laughs> I forget her name, Sarah something, but I, I'm pretty sure she's not answering every email from every listener, but you can. And it's kind of weird because you know that I know that you know that I know that I'm just a guy in my spare bedroom talking into a microphone. <laughs> but when the audience gets an email, they go, wait, that that's from Dave Jackson. And I'm like, yeah, so what? But to them, they're like, you're the guy on the radio. You're the guy in my earbuds. You know, you're the, and so, and then they go tell two friends. Well, the big shows can't do that. It doesn't scale when you have that many listeners, but you can. And that's how you can kind of fan the flames of, 
getting your numbers to grow is to just interact. And I love when somebody says, Hey, Dave, I listened to the last episode. It was really good. I liked the part about blah, blah, blah. I always say, thank you so much for, for much for listening, you know, and then it's a conversation. What would you like me to talk about in the future? You know, did you have any other favorite episodes? I'm trying, like you said, you do a survey. Like, yeah, why was yeah. that good? Because the if you don't know what your audience wants, it's basically, you know, a holiday where you've bought somebody a present and you're like, here you go. I, I hope you like it. You know, so if you know your audience then you go, you are going to love this. So it's, uh, it's always fun to, uh, and then the beauty of it is, again, being kind of a smaller show, there's no decisions based on committee. You don't have to worry about a board of directors or anything like you can do whatever you want. I changed my format on a regular, this year I started opening up the show with kind of a quick one minute story that then ties in with whatever the topic is. So, and I was just like, I don't know, let's try that and see if it works. So I heard somebody else do that. And I was like, huh, that's kind of a new way to start a podcast as opposed to, you know, the 10 second tease. I was like, let's, let's see if I can hook them in with a story which will then lead to the intro. And it's so you can kind of do whatever you want. So that's the the magic of podcasting. Well, I like to ask all my guests that come on the show is what are you listening to now? What, uh, what shows have you been keeping on track with? And I know that the pandemic has definitely put a kind of a, a interesting impact on the, on the industry, but what have you been listening to? Yeah. The, one of my favorite shows, I, I have two, especially around the election time I was listening to, there's a show called no agenda. And it's actually by Adam Curry, who is one of the guys that invented podcasting and a guy named John C. Dvorak. And it's interesting because it's a really long show. It's at times two to three hours long. And they're talking about things that, in my opinion, we should be hearing about on the mainstream media. But, you know, you kind of learn. And that's if they have an agenda, their agenda is mainstream media isn't doing their job. And what's interesting about it is they have people that donate, and I'm not making this up, thousands of dollars every single episode. It's an amazing example of what they call the value for value model. And then the other one is also political and it's called No Era, not No Agenda, it's Congressional Dish with Jennifer Briney. She actually reads the bills that go through Congress. And I just listened to her last episode. She's like, okay, it's gonna take a while for me to get the next episode out because whatever just came across the Senate is 4,000 pages long. And she reads it. And again, you you hear what's actually going on in Congress. And you're like, why are we not talking about this on the news? But instead, you turn on the news. It's like, Kim Kardashian wore a red dress on the, and you're like, oh, geez, Louise. So that's a, a fun one. Um, I listen to, I, I Mark Marin and Conan O'Brien, I, I kind of cherry pick. Whoever the guest is, I'll listen to that. Um, I listen to StoryBrand which is uh, by a guy named Matthew Dix. Matthew Dix is the Yoda of storytelling. He's got a great book called Story Worthy. And what he does is they actually hold a live, well, back when they could, they would hold a live event and they'd have storytellers come up and tell their story. And the stories are great. And then Matthew will kind of do an armchair quarterback and say, this is what was really good. He could have made it better by doing this, or she could have done this and that. So it's a really in-depth dive into storytelling. And that's one I just, I've been binging on for uh, about the last day and a half. It's just been nothing but Matthew Dix 24-7. (laughs) You said that no agenda is over two hours sometimes. Do you feel like podcasting should have a limit or do you feel like sometimes longer podcasts, if you can keep their, someone's attention for two hours, you know, go for it. Well, their show has, in my opinion, a design flaw. And that is anybody who donates over 50 bucks, 
gets a shout out. And then if you donate over $250, you become an executive producer. So they start off the show and they cover a couple stories and then they think they're executive producers and they do, you know, probably another good 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. And then they think people who donated over 50. Well, there are times when that list is like 20 people long and they've kind of now said, Hey, like we really appreciate you donating, but some of the, the audience was giving them like war and peace. Like instead of like, Hey, thanks for the show. You know, can you, and they have all these weird things where you can like, ask for karma and blah, blah, blah. But it was getting really, and and that segment was like, you know, 40 minute segment in the middle of a three hour podcast. That's just them thinking it, which they need to do because well, the people it's the value for value thing. So um, I, I am guilty of when they get to the, let's thank our sponsors thing, or let's thank our supporters of hitting skip, 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 yeah. skip, 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 skip. <laughs> but on the other hand, cause I've sent them money because I get value from the show. If my name is in it, I will definitely listen to that segment. I think that's who's listening to that segment. So, um, and I always say there's a, a great book by Valerie Geller called uh, Beyond Powerful Radio. And she has a great line. She says, there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. Because I've listened to shows that are, that, yeah. you know, that are phenomenal. And I'm sitting in the driveway, not getting out of my car because I want to hear the end of it. And yet I've heard, you know, five minute podcasts that were an absolute waste of time. So I think it really goes back to knowing who your audience is and what they want and then give it to them. Yeah, I'm listening to Binge Mode from The Ringer talking about the all the Marvel movies. And, you know, I'll stop, I'll listen to a little, and then I'll listen to some more and I'll go do something. But, you know, even if you don't sit down at the same time and listen to a two-hour podcast, if you're keeping someone's attention that wants to yeah. come back to it, your, your, your finish rates will actually be higher because you're right, there is it's only too boring, not too long. <laughs> Well, and with the no agenda and with congressional dish, they're both giving me information that I can't get anyplace else. Uh, and especially the no agenda show has a really large global audience. And when you start getting insights into news stories from other countries, you really kind of find out that maybe things aren't as what you thought they were. And it's uh, it's an interesting shelf. If nothing else, there, there are times when uh, they admittedly go right on the edge of like conspiracy theory. But on the other hand, it, they'll have like this weird little wacky thing and then they'll go, Hey, remember when we mentioned that about two months ago and everybody thought we were crazy. Guess what? That actually came true today. So that's what makes you kind of go, huh, maybe they maybe they actually have some, you know, insights here. So it's, it's an entertaining yeah. show and educational. So it's fun. I mean, on the educational uh, point, anything else, uh, tips for podcast. I know you have a great episode that just came out. That's 14 tips for uh, how to do a successful podcast. So maybe if you're listening to this podcast, go over and listen to uh, the School of Podcasting next on on Dave's 14 Tips. But anything else that uh, is a must-know or need to know for podcasters? No, I mean, really, why, why and who? And then the third one is what? What do you want them to do? And so many people, first of all, quit saying this. Please quit saying, please leave me a rating and review. It helps us get found. That has been proven over and over and over. It's absolutely not true. Even being at the top of the ratings doesn't do much. Um, Libsyn had a show on the front page, the very front page of Apple Podcasts. They got maybe a couple hundred downloads. It's not, you know, but it's been proven. So what I would much rather I would tell people to do is say, hey, if you enjoyed this show today, first of all, thanks so much for listening. Do you know somebody else who might enjoy this show? If you're listening to this on your phone, if you just go to the app, I'm sure in the corner and the bottom there, there's a share button. Could you do me a favor? Could you just share this with one person? 
that would be my advice to everybody because that's how you grow your audience. And ratings and reviews don't grow your audience. So if you've got one ask and you're just starting and doggone it, how do I grow my audience? You take the people who like your show and ask them to share it with a friend. That would be my number one tip. Well, for the people that uh, enjoy listening to this show, where can they uh, find you and where can they subscribe to your podcast? Yeah, schoolofpodcasting.com. You'll see a subscribe button right there on the front page to that'll lead you to where you can subscribe and, you know, any other different uh, apps you want to uh, listen to your podcast in. So schoolofpodcasting.com. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope to talk soon and uh, have a good uh, rest of your weekend. You too. Take care. Once again, thank you so much to Dave Jackson for coming on to the show. Like he said, please check him out at theschoolofpodcasting.com. He does a lot of interesting stuff, and his podcast is super insightful if you're looking to get a few extra tips uh, about how to podcast. As for us, uh, as always, check out Podgo if you're interested in monetizing your site. And I'm going to take a play out of the playbook that Dave told us about and ask you as the listener, if you enjoy the show or if you're a member of Podgo, Please tell uh, someone that you think would benefit from our services and from listening to this podcast about us. It helps out a lot, and we hope to build a community that can be able to give back to you. So, as always, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. You can follow us on the social media, and I hope to see you next episode. <laughs> <laughs>